All right, well, welcome to uh, week one of a new series I've entitled Reboot, uh, kind of hitting the reset button on life. And if you've been with us, we've uh, kind of fish, finished up a series last week. We talked about some unpopular statements and some unpopular things within culture. And I thought, what better time to really kind of hit this idea of a reboot than right now? Uh, our fall schedule is upon us, even though fall weather is not. Uh, we're kind of locked into our new normal. Things kind of feel a little uh, hectic and crazy. But as, as crazy and hectic as summer is, summer is unprogrammed and, and fall is very structured. And so uh, in, in our house, we, we tell the boys when school starts back, like, welcome to your new normal. Uh, you're going to hate life for the next three months. You're just going to get through it, okay? So we, we kind of lock into things. You guys have uh, incredible schedules. We're all busy. We're all kind of going other different directions, but at least it's repetitive, right? It's, it's repetitive in the nature of that every week we kind of know what to expect. Every week we know this is kind of the schedule that we're going to be in. And, and what I think I, I realized as I kind of started thinking about all this is that as much as we're locked into these schedules, sometimes it feels like spiritually we can start just spinning our wheels, right? We can kind of get stuck or bogged down or, or feels like we're just kind of hung up in an area where we're not really doing anything. We're, we're maybe even just mindlessly going through our spiritual boxes that we're checking off. Maybe we're having a quiet time, but we're really not getting anything out of it. Maybe we'll stop and read a verse or listen to a podcast or, or, or do a little devotion book. I hope that you do at least one or two or all of those things. Uh, and, and maybe it's just kind of something that you're just routinely getting in the habit of doing, but it's not really speaking life into you. Uh, we're, we're overwhelmed, I think, with a lot of the things that we have to deal with, and, and really um, we can get in a mode where we, we skip over things that are most important. We cannot have a quiet time. We cannot have a devotion. We cannot have just a moment of prayer. Uh, and that's just our spiritual life. That doesn't even account to everything else that we're feeling and all the other uh, overwhelming and chaotic things in our life. And so at some point, it almost feels like we need to reboot our system, right? We need, to, we need to restart and kind of get a refresh of what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, I, I read a meme a, a few, well, this was now two years ago. It feels like uh, it was yesterday. In the middle of the pandemic, in the middle of, of COVID, uh, there was a meme going around that says, have we tried unplugging 2020 and plugging it back in? Right, because that's how we felt. We're like this thing is crashing down around us. Maybe if we just reboot our system, we'll kind of get back to what's supposed to be happening here. And, and isn't it crazy that when we start thinking about technology things, that's the first thing they ask you. Like you've got a problem, you call AT and T, they're going to tell you to turn your phone off and turn it back on. And you just want to scream at the person over the phone going, I've already done that. You know, I'm not, I'm not crazy. If you have an issue with your computer, the first thing they're going to tell you to do is turn it off and turn it back on. Because that reboot just kind of clears out some issues, kind of makes the way a little clearer, makes things, uh, make things make a little bit more sense. Next week, next week we're going to talk about unplugging. And I, and I think next week's going to be really good. I'm already excited about that. But this week, what I want us to talk about is really kind of uh, where we are and why we need a reboot. If you've got uh, uh, your bulletin in front of you, our theme verse, it should be on the screen, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, just says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? Like, do you not see what I'm doing? And at first glance, you think, well, that's kind of a weird theme verse for a reboot series. That's like, a, uh, that's like maybe a new growth series or, a, or, or something that's God's trying. But I think, I think that's really the hook of it. I can't move forward in our relationship with God because of blank. 
How many times do we say this? God, I can't really go deeper because I'm carrying all this. I can't really go any further because of look at all the past mistakes that I've made. The things that hang us up are the things a lot that are in our past. And I think God's trying to get our attention most of the time going, listen, I'm trying to do something new in your life. And if you would just confess and repent and get rid of all that stuff, we can move forward. And do you not understand what I'm trying to do in your life? I think that phrase speaks really to the heart of the issue when it comes to the thought of a reboot. We've got to refocus. We've got to move into these new things and beyond these things that are holding us up and holding us back. And so before a reboot can happen, we've got to have a proper understanding of our current state. Like where are we at right now. And so to do that, I'm going to preach out of two different passages of scriptures. I know it's kind of weird. Uh, first half is going to be out of Romans chapter 5. The second half is going to be Ephesians chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles, let's open to those. You can kind of stick your finger or the bulletin or something in Ephesians chapter 1, but we're going to stay in Romans 5 for the first half here. And we're going to kind of work our way through this passage that I believe kind of speaks to the heart of a reboot, gives us some perspective, and maybe even helps us move out of our rut, out of this stuck pattern in our life. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I said that real country, didn't I? Peace? I didn't mean to. (laughs) My kids are going to make fun of me for that this afternoon, okay? I'm going to start over that. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. If you don't hear anything else this morning, hear this. If you're a believer, like if you have come to the understanding of who Jesus is and what he did for you by by providing forgiveness for sin, by his atoning work for you on the cross, if you understand that, and not just know it head knowledge, but if you know it, heart knowledge, like if you've come to the point where you've accepted the gift of salvation, if you've been redeemed and repented of your sin and, and have been saved, then, then since you have been justified, you are made right in God's eyes, right? And when he sees you, he sees the Son. And in that, we have peace with God. Peace. When you're overwhelmed and when you're feeling stuck and when when life kind of keeps swarming around you, when you've been engulfed by worries or fears or stress or deadlines or family or uncertainty or the what-ifs and all the things that come crashing down around you, then remember you have peace with God. Psalm 29, 11 says that the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Proverbs 14, 30, a heart at peace gives life to the body. Romans 8, 6, a mind governed by the flesh is death, but a mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Galatians 5, 22 tells us the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Peace is a blessing from God. It gives us life. It's evidence of his presence with us. It's, it's there. We can settle in it. If we're going to use Bible words, then abide in it. We have peace with God. And I'm just going to say this because it has to be said. Stop looking for peace in areas that God doesn't settle. 
We have to stop looking for peace in areas where God doesn't settle. If I only had this, if I only had a nicer car or a bigger house, or if this person would give me attention, or if I only had, or if I only could, or if I only did, then I would feel at peace. Listen, a new man or a new woman is not going to give you peace. If you can't find peace with your spouse, then you're not going to be able to find it, right? A new purchase will not give you peace because something else newer is going to come out, right? There's going to be a better one. There's going to be a newer one. And some person that you don't like in town is going to have the newer one. A new purchase is not going to give you peace. A drink, a drug, a vacation, a better golf game, a drunken night with your friends, a little secret rendezvous. It's the craziest thing in the world. When we go to all these places to find peace and then blame God for not giving us peace. Why, God, why do I feel so unsettled? Why are you not just covering me with peace? Your word says I have peace, but I'm not finding it anywhere because you're not finding it where God settles. Now, don't misunderstand me. Don't don't twist what I'm saying. Abraham Kuyper says this, there is not one square inch over all creation that God, who is sovereign over everything, does not look at and declare mine. God is everywhere, but God does not settle where sin is present. And too many of us are looking for peace in places that we know God's not going to settle. We know that God has nothing to do with our sinful behavior, but yet we keep running back to that, expecting to find something that we're never going to find there. You have peace with God. Not only peace, grace. Read that verse again. It should still be on the screen. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Feel that in your bones. Not only do you have peace with God, but you have grace in God. Something that you don't have to earn. You can write this verse down later. Romans eleven six 6 says, if it's by works, if grace is by works, then grace is not grace. It's an incredible verse of scripture. If you have to earn it, it's not real grace. And although grace and peace go hand in hand, they're not the same thing. They're two different things. Peace is a feeling that God grants us. Grace is unmerited, unearned favor and blessing. If peace is a feeling, grace is a state, right? Something that we live in. So what that means for us is if we're stuck... If the whirlwind of summer or whatever, your life, if whatever you've been dealing with as you feel like you're just kind of spilling your, spinning your wheels and kind of and falling into fall, then know this as a believer that you are existing in grace. Meaning, if you were doing everything right, and if you were doing all the things that you want to be doing, but maybe you just don't feel like that you can because you're stuck, maybe if you're firing all in all cylinders, however you want to say that, then you would not have any more grace than you do right now. It's a place that you get to settle into. It's, it's something that God gives us. You have grace in God. We don't earn that. So by doing all the right things, you don't earn more grace. That's 
I mean, real talk, that's Catholic theology, okay? Catholic theology says that by keeping the sacraments, by doing the sacraments, you are earning grace. You are earning God's favor. Protestant theology, us, thought theology is that we are an imparted grace, that God gives us grace freely. We don't have to do anything to earn it. Because if I'm earning it, then my salvation is dependent on what I do, not dependent on what Jesus does. And so grace is something that we have been given and that we can settle into. Keep reading verse 3, chapter 5. Not only so, we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Don't you wish the Bible sometimes just stopped with grace and peace? <laughs> you read that and you're like, yeah, man, grace, oh, peace, this is great. And then now we've got to rejoice in suffering? Well, I just, let's just stop at verse 3, right? We don't want to even go further than that. Hear me, I don't, I don't want anybody to get their wires crossed or misunderstanding. I'm not saying... That if you're struggling, or if you're stuck, or if you're feeling like you're not doing anything because you're living in sin, or because maybe you're doing things you know you're not supposed to because you have this apathy concerning things of God and spiritual apathy, I'm not saying that, that God's trying to do something in you, trying to develop something in you, character, hope, and life. That's not what I'm saying. But for all of us who'd say, you know what, I'm not really doing anything wrong. I just feel like I'm not really doing anything. I, I want to know God more. I want to spend time in his word. I am. I'm, I'm trying to dive in, but it just feels like it's, it's falling flat. I'm just not doing anything. Then maybe, maybe the struggle that you feel is God developing something in you. Maybe the struggle that you feel, he's trying to bring some deep-rooted sin to the surface. Maybe he's trying to lead you to release control of certain areas of your life and really, truly submit to him. Maybe he's speaking direction or speaking conviction or speaking truth to you and you're just not listening. Maybe he's trying to develop something in you. God's not going to take you any further until you're obedient where you are. God's not going to take you any further. God, I want to go deeper. I want to do this. I want to do this. But you're not being obedient where you are. See, our current state is the reason why we need a reboot. I remember, and I, I haven't even asked permission for this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. I remember, uh, I remember Shelton and Lauren, before we sent them to Boston, before they took off. I say we sent them like I had a decision in it. Before they left to go to Boston. And I remember Lauren, if you remember Lauren, she came here when she was like, I don't know, eight. And she came in uh, speaking Japanese and had this big plan of missions in her life and knew that God had called her to that. And, uh, and, and she came in as a high school kid. And so she was kind of talking through some things with uh, Jess and I was privy to some of those conversations. And, and, and she was frustrated. She, she had met the man she knew she was going to marry. She was, uh, she was living life. They were, they were doing everything they were supposed to be doing. But this mission thing was unfulfilled in her heart. And she was so ready to get out and do missions. And my wife, who was way smarter than me, said, said Lauren, she's, God's never going to let you do it out there if you don't do it right here. And she's told us, man, that flipped a switch in me. You're right. I'm going to do it right here, right where I am. I'm going to be obedient to God's calling now so that he takes me deeper later. 
And for some of us, some of us want God to do this incredible work in our life, and we're not being obedient in this moment. And we're asking him to do these mountain-moving events in our life, and he's just saying, I'm just asking you to be obedient in this. He's not going to take you further until you're obedient now. So whatever it is, maybe that's evidencing itself as a struggle, as a suffering, that God's trying to develop something in you. And maybe that development is obedience. Maybe it is repentance. Maybe it is sacrifice. Maybe it is um, denying yourself. And taking your cross and following him, truly, really living out what he's called you to do. There's purpose in that struggle. There may be very big purpose to your current experience. This reboot is exactly what God's going to use to move you from suffering to perseverance to character to hope. And I know some of you would say, okay, I get it. Like, I've suffered enough, right? I've been there. I've been existing in the suffering for long enough. I've developed a little bit of perseverance. I'd really got, like to get to the character and hope section of this, right? I've been suffering for so long, I don't even feel like it's suffering anymore because I'm persevering. I'm doing exactly what the Bible says. But if you go back to the original language here, that word character is really better defined as experience, Perseverance develops experience. The the Greek word definition is proving trial. It's a proving trial. It's really a proving of your faith. And I'm going to be real honest with you. Some of you, you aren't ready for that. You're not. we, We want the struggle and the suffering to end but we're not really quite ready to prove our faith yet. Because the greatest proof of your faith is staying faithful in the struggling. It's this cyclical cycle that Paul's setting up for us here. He's like saying, listen, feel at peace, exist in grace, live through the suffering, develop perseverance, and the proof of that experience is that you're willing to suffer for him even longer. And we read that and we go, okay, well, where's the hope in that? Keep reading, verse 6. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Just at the right time, time, right when we needed him most, right when we were stuck and we were powerless to change. Christ died, not for good people, not for the people who had it all figured out, not for the people who were doing everything right, but for the ungodly. This may may not be the best way for me to say this, but it's the only way I really know how. You were not good enough for God to die for. You were loved enough for God to die for. He died for ungodly. That's, church, that's hope. That's the hope that we have, is that we don't have to be good enough, that we don't have to have everything figured out, that we can have moments of our life where we are stuck in need of a reboot, in need of a a kind of a refocus. And in those moments, God loves us enough to, to die for us. You have hope in God. No matter what life throws at you, no matter how good you've lived, no matter how many mistakes you've made, you were powerless and he chose you 
anyway. Verse 7 explains that thought very rarely. Will anyone die for a righteous man? Though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. At our worst, he died for us. The lowest point of our life, he died for us. The point where we were the furthest away from him, when he died for us. Why? So that he could prove that none of us deserve it. None of us are good enough. None of us are living right enough. That's why hope doesn't rest in our abilities. It rests in Him. We have hope in Him. It's in this in Him language that hope is actually found. Here's the other half of my sermon I'm going to preach, and this is not very long, so trust me. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, go over to that. This in Him language is vital to our understanding of who we are and why we are in need of a reboot. If you went through Knowing Faith uh, last year, then we talked a little bit about this doctrine, the union with Christ. We talked about what it means to be in Christ. And the only way that this was explained to me, that it made sense to me, is is how I'm going to explain it to you. And this is a horrible, horrible example, okay? If I had two, I don't even have, I'm not very good at preparing visual aids. If I had two big clear tubs and I filled one clear tub up with um, uh, beans, okay? Just beans. Filled it up with beans. That's Christ in us. And if I put that tub into another tub full of beans, that's us in Christ. Does that make sense? That we are in Him and that He is in us. This in Him language is vital to our understanding of where hope comes, where grace comes, and where peace comes. Look what it says, Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to read a chunk of it. Verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with wisdom and understanding. Skip down to verse 11. In him, we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Verse 13, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Did you catch all those in hymns? In him we are blessed chosen, loved, given grace, redeemed, forgiven, included, saved, sealed, and given the Holy Spirit. In Him, which means apart from Him, we are none of those things. Apart from Him, we have no forgiveness. We have no redemption. We are not loved. We are not chosen. We are not blessed. We are not given grace. We are not redeemed. We are not forgiven. All those things are not when we are not in him, but because of us and the relationship, how God the Father sees us in him, 
We are given all this. Where in any of that does it say that we're worthy? It doesn't. It says that he is worthy. And because we are in him, we receive the blessing of those things. Listen, when your life gets stuck and you're spinning your wheels and you're far from God and you're middle of what he wants, or if, or if you're right in the middle of what you, he wants from you, remember that the only source of everything you need is in him. That he is the only thing good about you. That he is the hope of redemption and salvation and love. We are in need of a reboot. We need to reset our life. But first we need to remember that he is the source of that life. He is where peace and grace and hope come from. We can't fix ourselves. We have to we have to turn to the one who loved us at our lowest to fix ourselves. Who loves us the very same at our greatest. The source of our reboot is in Him. See, when we start stacking the blocks of our life, we start trying to figure out, okay, this is all the good things that I've done, and if this pile's bigger than all the bad things I've done pile, then maybe He'll love me enough. That's not how God works. He loves you. I'll never forget the first night after my son was born, after Brody was born. Jessica labored for a long time, ended up having a C-section at about 1.30 in the morning. and um, 3 o'clock, finally everybody left. There was, I don't know, there was like 150 of you guys at the hospital that night. It was incredible. <laughs> Everybody left, family left, and it was just, just the three of us in the room. And I did what every good dad would have done, and I just fell asleep. I mean, I just knocked out. I'll never forget it. Uh, Jessica threw a pillow at me to wake me up because the baby was crying, and I didn't hear the baby. And so um, a couple hours, it was 3.30, everybody left, 5 o'clock, people started coming back. <laughs> um. And so the first night, the first real night, was that evening, that, that following evening. Everybody left us in the hospital. We were staying one more night, and, and Jessica was obviously exhausted. And, and I was like, just get some sleep. I'll stay. I'm going to stay up. I had a Dr. Pepper. I'll never forget. I had a Dr. Pepper and like a little Debbie cake. And I was sitting in that little uncomfortable chair at the hospital um, holding my son. And Jess fell asleep, and I unwrapped him. I, I counted every one of his fingers counted every one of his toes. I looked him over all, and, and I had this thought. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, I, I was over there just weeping because that's what I do anyway. <laughs> I never, I never had instantly loved anything like I love my son. It didn't matter what he did. It didn't matter what he ends up doing. In that moment, I thought, this is how God feels about us. He wants good for us. He wants us to be obedient and, and to be 
Christ-like and to be examples of grace and mercy to other people and, and, and point people to him. He wants all those things, but, but in, in the very basic essence, he instantly loves us as fully as he ever could. And too many of us are trying to stack blocks to prove why he should love us more. And in all reality, I feel like we just need, we just need a reboot. We need to knock all that stuff down. It doesn't take away the good things you does. It really doesn't take away the bad things you've done. It's just an acknowledgement of, God, you, you are the hope and the peace and the grace that I need. And it is in you I will exist and find my strength. I'm going to leave you with one more passage out of this Ephesians chapter 1 chapter, reminded about the source, the reboot, and we reminded our life that we're supposed to live. Verse 17 says this, I keep asking, this is Paul talking, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That's what we need in a reboot. We need to know him better. The Spirit would enable us somehow to know him better. We can open the eyes of our heart. Not physical eyes, but not to see our circumstances, the things that surround us, not the stuff that kind of goes but that we can see our helplessness without him. So we can need, know the hope to which he has called you, right? The riches of his grace, the power of those who believe. This all comes when we understand and know the source of our reboot. It's time to, to kind of refresh our hearts and our lives to see what God has for us and to live that out. Next week we're going to talk about unplugging we're going to draw some alliterative lines back and forth to that phrase. But it first starts with understanding why we need it. We're, we're looking for grace and, and peace in places that God doesn't settle. We're hoping for something that we're never going to find. Unless we come back to this in him language. Some of you may be honest enough to say, man, I, I don't even know what that means. How do, you, how do we even become in Christ and Christ in us? Maybe, maybe some of you walked an aisle and prayed a prayer, but you really never felt this in him moment in your life. Then my question to you today would be, is it not worth it just to reboot it? Is it not worth it just to say, you know what, hang on. I don't know that I've ever been saved. I just need to kind of get back to the base. I need to, I need to kind of refresh this. Some of you say, I know I'm saved. I'm just not living it. We're the ones in need of a reboot the most, right? Let's clear out the system. Let's get back to what we know we're supposed to be doing. We're going to give you the opportunity to, to respond to what God has. TJ is going to come. I'm going to ask if you'd stand. This is our invitation. And the invitation really is to you to respond to what God's doing. The invitation is also upward focused. It's the invitation to God to speak truth to our heart. 
and to challenge us and change us so that we don't leave this building the same way we came into it. That something about us is different. That surrender has happened, that we're living in grace and peace, that we have hope. And that most importantly, we understand that he is in us and that we are in him. So whatever decision you need to make, whatever you feel like maybe God's impressing on you, maybe it's just a moment of, of repentance. Maybe just an honest moment of what I've been chasing and trying to find grace in that I'm not ever going to. This is your opportunity to respond to whatever God maybe has, has put on your heart this morning. Don't pass this up. Don't try to find it out there. You'll only find it in him. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this morning. And God, the reality of the things that we chase to find grace kind of hits us all a little bit in the mouth and it hurts. God, it could be a thousand different things. But you know each one of us and you know our hearts and you know what we've been what we've been pursuing, what we've been chasing after. So God, forgive us for blaming you while we're stuck when we're not really being obedient where we are. God, help this morning to be a, a refresh moment. God, for somebody who maybe is not saved and doesn't understand who Jesus is and how that can really change everything, I pray today's the day that they figure it out. They ask questions. They come and talk to me or they talk to somebody on their row, maybe a family member or a friend that is, is going to point them to who Jesus really is and what that really means for their life. But God, for a lot of us in the building this morning, we just need to, we just need to refresh. God, we... we used to use terms like rededicate and it kind of got a bad name but God there's nothing wrong with that maybe we should maybe we should come back to what we know is true and right and ask for you to help us live it out God if there's folks here who have questions about our church or about baptism or about what it is that we believe and why we believe it I'd love to talk to them about that, pray with them through those things. God, so maybe there's somebody who just needs to come and pray and just pray by themselves. God, this is your opportunity to be real with us in our hearts and speak life and truth to us. God, we don't want to miss this because we are seeking you.